I know the episode is called The Impossible Box Clay, but obviously Rios has never run into a box that he considers to be impossible because that guy, that guy fucks, as they as the oh kids boy. are saying. Oh, boy. <laughs> Way to start it off and lose us some listeners. <laughs> Shirtless uh, soccer players usually... Awkward scene, a little bit of an awkward scene. I'm sure. I'm sure that we'll get into it. But um, I mean, I've been to college. Shirtless soccer players do get ladies. Yeah, he, I'm surprised he hasn't busted out his guitar at this point. Started playing <laughs> Wonderwall or something like that to really just nail down the rest of this. Well, that's for the that's for the EMH to do. <laughs> <clears throat> we're going to be talking about the Impossible Box, an episode of Picard. First, we're going to play some music. Alright, so this episode is called The Impossible Box. It's the sixth episode of the first season of Star Trek Picard. Came out on February 27th, 2020. Written by Nick Zayas, directed by Maha Vervio, I believe. And uh, in this episode, Picard and the crew track Soji to the Borg Cube in Romulan space, resurfacing haunting memories for Picard. Meanwhile, Narek believes he finally found a way to safely exploit Soji for information. There it is, Clay. We came off of... um, one of the worst episodes that we thought was last week, which was, I've even forgotten the title of that one. Do you remember what that one was called? It's called Stardust City Rag. Yeah. And now we finally caught up to a point where the uh, the plot lines are converging all at once. And the, the uh, Picard adventure is combining with the Borg Romulan ship adventure. And here we stand at an impossible box. So what'd you think of it? Um, I thought it was fine. Uh, I, I was... I was really distracted by a lot of little things that were bugging me from storytelling standpoints. Uh, for instance... Very unusual for these series at this point to be distracted by stuff like that. Yeah. For instance, um, have you ever been on a business trip, like an extended business trip? Uh, y- yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, in the 21st century, let's say maybe 20th century, 21st century, I would assume, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. How many hard copy photographs of your family did you bring with you on that trip? <laughs> because in the 23rd or 4th century, whenever this is supposed to be, apparently she loaded up for some reason. Yeah, she doesn't have a, a tablet or a phone either. I I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I have this working this theory I'm She brought her teddy on. bear too. Well, I guess the teddy bear makes sense cuz she's I guess I guess the assumption is she's moved there. Like she she sees herself living on the cube for the foreseeable future or something. I guess I don't know. Still, I I don't care. How many hard copy photographs do you have in your house? Like realistically, like ten, less, maybe less than she had. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I uh, not only uh, I have this theory I'm working on that the more uh, hard copy photographs that show up in an episode or of Star Trek, the worse the episode is, mm-hmm. because- or at least that. <laughs> if they show up at all, it's usually a, a uh, indicator that it's not a very good episode of Star Trek. Yeah, the only one I can think of is the uh, O'Brien Goes Undercover episode of DS9, because that guy had a picture of his family, and that's not a very good episode. I yeah, can't think you of got too many that. Others. You got uh, Picard busts out the uh, hall- 1993 holofoil-lined pictures of his dead family in oh, Generations. Oh, right. Yeah, yep, sure. So they pop up from time to time. And generally, it's for hacky storytelling reasons. Yeah, it's this for b- would be bad one news. Of them. It's never for good news. It's always for bad news when you look at a picture yeah. in the Star Trek universe. And 
I know I'm, you know, jumping directly, you know, jumping way ahead here, but like another problem I have with that is the uh the magic scanner she has that tells like a car is it like a carbon 14 dating mm-hmm. scanner or something yeah yep. um she freaks out over those pictures you know you can print pictures out like today <laughs> <laughs> that would like if i if i went and i got if my if my girlfriend came home with pictures and then I pulled out my you know uh how old is it scanner and it said that these pictures were were are are 14 hours old i wouldn't melt down and assume i was a robot <laughs> well, Sco- but scoogee was also whatever the name of the teddy bear is scoogee is also 37 yeah. years old or now the old. necklace the necklace is a little bit easier to swallow is if you're going to use that device um but the pictures it's uh, it's just it just feels like lame storytelling to me every uh it's like mitch hedberg also said. i'm sorry also there is a so in the second X Files movie, X Files colon Fight the Future. Um, there is a scene where uh, Scully, Dana Scully, has this patient who has like a brain tumor or something, and she needs to, to to figure out a way to save this person. And there's a scene where she literally goes and she Google's brain surgery and prints it out, mm-hmm. and then successfully cuts the tumor out in the next scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that reminded me a lot of this episode where um, Locutus of Borg goes into his ready room and essentially Google Im- image searches the Borg. Yes. <laughs> I I mean, it, the, the, the overlay thing was cool. But aside from that, it's like it's like he, it's literally like he's Google image searched the Borg and then they just showed the first 10 pictures that showed up on Google. This is not Borg you anymore. It's an artifact. And you... Jean-Luc Picard, not Locutus. All that long behind you. Yeah, it was it was a weird, unusual update where he's he searched by keyword. He says like keyword phrases, and yeah. uh, he I think he actually says keyword. He's like search uh, parentheses Borg and parentheses or quotation marks uh, artifact, and he came up with that result. So it was it was the um, it's just that weird sort of changing of star trek uh kind of things like michael chabon did a uh, instagram story today where he responded mm-hmm. to people's questions and one of them was why doesn't the show use star dates which i thought which i hadn't really thought about but it is kind of interesting that the show doesn't use it and mm-hmm. his response while it makes sense also kind of upset me on some level he's like he says star dates are to me ineffective information because no one can understand what, what it means which okay. which I understand, which I think makes sense. But at the same time, using just a hard date of a year also doesn't mean anything to me because sure. I don't I don't track that information. Like I don't have a timeline of Star Trek running in my head where 2399 is 10 years after this event happened, but it's right before this event happened or anything like that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a strange choice to strip the series of something that's very definitively Star Trek. And replace it with something that, in my mind, serves equally as useless as a as a purpose. Yeah, you could also argue that not use that using an actual date, um, makes makes it feel more dated in a certain way. Because if you say like, "Oh, it's uh, uh, twenty three thirty five or whatever," then you you have more of an idea of how far away that is mm-hmm. from now. Where if you say star date. One one six five seven or whatever they say, 
um, that's they're giving you information. It sounds like the future, but it's not like relatable to now. Right. It's a so fantasy it, number. Yeah. 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 It's a fantasy number. And I think, yeah, it, it is such a Star Trek thing. It's it's surprising that they did. Now, if he had said we don't use star dates because star dates are used almost exclusively uh, on starships, mm-hmm. then that I would that I would buy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess that, that, that would make sense to me, too. So I'm sorry. I just had to get those things out of the way. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that in this episode that re- was really distracting to me. I, I didn't. Um, I thought this episode was really boring for a lot of it, mm-hmm. and it's also the longest episode by about ten minutes out of all of the ones that we've seen this season. I was, um, I was a little bit torn about this one. Like, I think that I'm, I'm somewhat sliding into just kind of like I'm, I'm at that point of a discovery season where you're just like, all right, I. I like there it's not going to go the way that I expected it to really and right. not not in a good way it's not like I'm being surprised and I, I'm kind of at that point with this one and I thought that maybe a good point where place to start off with this would be I think there's one scene that is like perfectly encapsulates what I find wrong about this series in a lot of ways and it's the Raffi negotiating with her Starfleet contact how to get clearance to get on the cube with people mm. Mm. so Raffi calls Raffi comes out drunk she is smoking that snake weed or whatever right in front of everybody everybody knows that this is what she's doing and she comes out and she's the only person who can get this so she goes through the sacrifice of uh using her friend at starfleet to get this her friend breaks up with her at the end is this great uh you know the 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 price that uh raffi is paying for working with john luke picard and everything mm-hmm. and then she stumbles off she's drunk she's drinking from the bottle the the show continues to use uh drinking tropes very obviously in cliched ways rios Mm. has to escort her back to her room because she can't walk back under her own power as that's happening john luke picard stands up and applauds the effort that she's done there as the Mm. tng triumph theme song plays over it so we have a woman basically drinking herself to death and killing herself to accomplish this mission and john luke picard seems weirdly oblivious to this and I don't understand I don't understand that. And I think that another way, if you want to respond to that, or you can just respond to this simpler question, mm-hmm. does this series is this series accurately portraying John Luke Picard in any way that makes sense? Um to you to knowing to does this version of Picard feel like it's a realistic evolution of the Picard that we knew? Uh, I don't think, I think it could be, but I don't think that they're doing the work to make it that way. Um, I'd the, agree they're missing, they're missing a chunk of backstory explaining why he is this way, if he is this way. But if they, right. if they're saying that this is the same character, it's just 15 years later, I think that he's, I think there's something wrong with that. And I think that the scripts actually don't recognize it. And it comes out in scenes like that Raffi thing where, if Picard is not oblivious and the show is not bringing attention to it, he seems almost abusively cruel to some of yeah. these people. And that's yeah. very strange to me. Yeah, I was talking, uh, I was texting with Murphy a little bit uh, earlier about it. And he was very put off by uh, that scene and also um, the fact that Picard doesn't seem to care that uh, Elrond just kills people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said the Picard, he. he to paraphrase him, he said that Picard he knows would go out of his way to not let Elrond 
cut people's heads off and stab them in the neck, and he would probably also reach out to Raffi and try to get her to, uh, you know, stop drinking or something. Yeah. And it's, yeah, he seems like he has, he he seems like he's got this compassion on the page, but he's his actions aren't really compassionate actions for most of the characters in the show, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, He's got compassion when it serves the, 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 if that's the point of the scene. But in scenes like you're talking about with Rafi, it's like, yeah, it's just they don't even think about whether or not him reacting that way might not be the best reaction. <laughs> right. I, like, it's not, it's not like, it's not like, uh, uh, Rafi has, has, has not drank anything in a week and is in the middle of the shakes and, Picard has told her that this is the first step into getting your life back. And then she, you know, powers through it in order to do this. And then he gives her like a standing ovation right. where it's like, see, you did it. You're on the, you know, you're back on the, you're getting there. No, it's almost like passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, he's, and if the script was acknowledging this, I wouldn't really have a problem with it. I'd be like, okay, Picard is at a point, he, he's so obsessed with this vendetta that he doesn't see the damage he's doing to the people around yeah. him. And while I, while I find that kind of a, a strange jump for the character, maybe, I'm also of the opinion that there's no right way to write a character. Really, it's whatever the writer mm-hmm. wants to do with that character is is kind of the way that it is. And it's like you you have people in real life who go through sort of dramatic changes in their personality, and it's not like sure. you have to come up with some kind of logic as to why that happened or anything. Sure. But I, I think it's just, it ties into the fact that the writing for that is very similar to the the Narek and Soji stuff, where we thought last episode where they were sliding around in their socks, we're like, is he supposed to be falling for her? Is that's what is that what is happening here? Because the the show is not making that clear, and here that's clearly what they were trying to set up. But they did it so ineptly that you get to it, and it just feels totally random. And the other side effect of it is that the show, for how many uh, like acclaimed writers are writing on this thing, the show falls back on tropes very hard a lot mm. of the time. It just uses sort of like cliche writing techniques to get the point across like if you have a spy going undercover 95 percent of stories in that have the spy falling for the person right like that's just the way right. that you have to go about it and so here they almost use that as a shorthand to explain some kind of conflict but because narek in the script never acknowledged that leading up to it it just feels so lazy like it just feels like such bad writing for him to get to that point and then he has to kill her and then he cries a single tear and you're supposed to be like oh what a sacrifice Narek has had to make in this final situation even though you don't feel bad for him at all yeah and there's another another thing similar to that that really drove me nuts and this is this is the kind of stuff they do on like the walking dead that drives me nuts um at the end when they're escaping through that stargate thing there is no reason on earth that Elrond would stay behind. They shut the gate down. Like, yeah. it's not like they had to stop them from being far. Like, there's a there's a line that they probably ADR'd in afterwards where uh, Hugh is like, well, we got to let it cool down or some shit. <laughs> but it's like, if if Elrond, what's that, is his name? Elrond? Elrond, what the hell's yeah, his name? yeah. It, it's literally the name from Jetsons. Lord of the Rings. Oh, isn't his name Elrond? Whatever. I think he's. Well, I think. I think the Star Trek character is E L R O N. I'm thinking okay. of Elroy, which is the Jetsons character. But 
<laughs> when L. Ron Hubbard, the father of modern Dianetics and Scientology, his name is uh, his is, name is Elnor. I'm sorry, it's Elnor. El- Elnor. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> we um, got there eventually, uh, listeners. It's Elnor. Elnor is very bad at his job because if he is like Wookie life debted to Picard, you go with him through the gate. You don't stay behind. Yeah. And fight an imaginary villain who hasn't shown up. And that was so, it was just so manufactured to be like this splitting up moment for a character that we don't haven't spent any time with so that we don't give a shit that he's doing this. And it, it just seems so manufactured for no reason other than to split them up and uh, create this bit of a dramatic moment. Well, where I... I yeah. Sorry, no, I, I, I think it is it is artificially to split them up, but I imagine it's because they want uh Elnor to talk to Narek in the next episode. Like he his his absolute candor thing is going to be sure. the, the character that that gets to the bottom of what the Romulans are up to, I would assume. Well then they should have come up with a different way to split them up then. Yes, it's really I, I'd agree. Lazy. Yep, I'd agree with it's that. Ju- yeah. I, and that kind of stuff kills me because it's like this doesn't make any sense. I it's 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 a it's a symptom of the core problem with the show, which is it is putting um, it is sacrificing character for the sake of plot. Yeah, and a very discovery plot, tro- a, a discovery style of writing. I think. Yeah, and the plot doesn't you don't get the reactions that you're supposed to get with the plot that you're doing if the characters don't support it. You know, right? Like um, the the fact that. Soji has like never really inquired as to what the hell Narek does on the cube. She's never called her sister, I don't think. Which is yeah, she's never called her sister. She's <laughs> never like. There's never been a scene where she's. How has there not been a single scene where she goes off on on her like break or something and tries to pull up the file on Narek or right. something? Yeah, you know, like it. It's just that I feel like you needed uh, Picard needed special credentials called in from Starfleet in order to step foot on the thing. So it means the people on there are very controlled. And then there's this guy on there who I, okay, fine. He's Tal Shiar, whatever. What does that mean though? Like it, he's, it, how is she not more interested in who this person is? Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, the way Picard is acting in these scenes is weird. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, um, as far as the Picard thing goes, is him acting, being a little bit colder and, and we can't tell if it's, if it's, the writers are aware of it or not. I feel like there's a simple change that I that I feel like this episode really uh, highlighted that would fix it, which is Picard should know from the minute he steps on the starship that he is headed towards the Borg cube. Because otherwise, you've got five episodes worth of him not even sure what the hell he's doing. Like, the mission is not clear. He's going after soji whatever that means he doesn't even know yeah he's trying and then uh, uh he, <laughs> he checks in with maddox to see whether or not there even is a second person <laughs> where it's like okay whatever and then at the end of the last issue like oh yeah she's on the board cube and he doesn't really react to that but this episode you get all the reaction stuff and the reaction stuff is great now if we had known or if he had known that the point that he was driving towards because i mean the thing the thing about Picard is he's restless on Earth, right? He wants he just wants to get back out amongst the stars. 
Well, he gets what he wants, but not in the way that he thought he was going to get it when he finds out that he has to go back to space specifically to go to a Borg cube. Yeah. That's not what he wants. Yeah. So that way you've got this rising tension with Picard as they're getting closer to the Borg cube, as these pieces are coming together about what he's going to have to do, which could then inform his actions uh, towards everybody else around him, whether or not he's being a dick, I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit too much like first contact because that's kind of what they do in first contact. But. I feel this. I feel a lot of this is kind of a retread of first contact. Um, like, n- not to get too outside of it, but another thing is just never trust the PR lead up to these shows, any show, not just Star <laughs> Trek, because all they were talking about was Patrick Stewart only came back if if we didn't do a Borg story. They said that endlessly. They were just like, he doesn't want to do a Borg story, so we're not going to do it. What is what is this series? This is a series is a Borg story. It, there's I yeah, I can see I can see them spinning that, pitching it to him, being like, the Borg are in it, but it's not really a Borg story. It's a story about family or some shit like that. It is it's it's strongly like the Borg are the linchpin of this almost. Yeah. Like it's, Yeah, no, you n- never trust that stuff. If you ever watch an interview with someone and the first thing they say is the script was great, it means the movie's terrible. <laughs> like I, I saw it a clip. Started out they strong. almost yeah, they almost got me with that because I had seen the the previews for that Doctor Doolittle movie, which just looked like two hundred million dollars worth of trash. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And then I saw a, an interview with Robert Downey Jr. I read an interview with Robert Downey Jr. where he where they were like, "So why did you do this movie?" And he said, "Well, you know, honestly, I got the script and it was fantastic, and I my wife read it and my wife thought it was fantastic, so I had to do the movie." And then I was like, "Oh, I mean, maybe this is actually." pretty good mm-hmm. and then all the reviews came out and said it was 200 million dollars of trash yeah so yeah i yeah if the if they say the script is great it means it's terrible <laughs> but back to more more back to picard i just i i think picard as a character in this is suffering from the same thing that the series is suffering from is that it's i really am kind of shocked that the series seems to only exist because I think as Zach Hanlon said in his AV Club review, it's just a way to get viewers to tune in for this show is the only reason that Picard is in. in like mm-hmm. the, the reason for the show being Picard show is because Picard's name draws the viewers. And I'm honestly mostly surprised by how irrelevant Picard is to all of this stuff. Like he, yeah. you, you've made jokes about it in the past, but if you pay attention to it, so much of him as a character is he finds a new character and goes, Whoa, what the hell is going on? Like what's, what's, what's happening here? And then they mm-hmm. explain it to him and he has this shocked look on his face. And occasionally he does the tropey Picard thing, which is that he makes the other person feel good. He says something like in this episode, he says to, to, to Hugh, you're doing good work here. Like, even though it's not perfect results, you're still making good in the universe. Right. And all of Picard, Picard is just, an old man being dragged around places. And I'm just really shocked that Patrick Stewart is not more, uh, and Picard is not more of a focal point of what's going on here. And it's all, it all just seems very dragging him from one place to the next without any sense of how it's going to build on things. Or like, would you be, would you be surprised? Do you think they come back to the cube in this series? Uh, well, based on the preview for the next episode, it looks like uh, they the Romulans sometime there. there. Yeah. The R- oh, you mean like Picard? Does Picard come back to the cube? I honestly don't know. Um, I, you know, <clears throat> I just feel I that kinda... I, I feel that like the the frustrating thing about this episode to me 
was that I really like the Borg stuff in it. I know, yeah. I, I know, I was saying that like it's funny to get Patrick Stewart back for it, but the Borg stuff is the only storyline, and I'm not including the Romulans. I'm including like the Borg cube and the actual Borg and the deborgification mm-hmm. and the reclamation project and Hugh and everything. Yeah. That's all really good because that yep. feels like it's almost about something. And what was frustrating about the end of this is that I'm like, all right, like I'm liking all the stuff on the cube. I'm liking Picard talking to Hugh. Hugh, Jonathan Del Arco continues to be great as Hugh in this. This is mm-hmm. all very good. I'm enjoying this. Oh, end of the episode. Picard steps in a transporter that shoots him halfway across the galaxy away yeah. from the cube. And it's like, can't we just sit somewhere and like based or, you know, marinate in the story that they've got going? And instead, now we got to go to Nepenthe or whatever and find Riker and Troy and see where that good brings us. Yeah. No, the best part of the episode was the Hugh stuff again. That guy's just, you know, it's like you get the two guys who have done Star Trek before in the room and all of a sudden the show comes together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I thought the the most interesting thing that they have done so far happened in one line of dialogue, and I really hope that I didn't hear it incorrectly because I thought it was fantastic, which is uh, um, when Hugh and uh, Picard are talking and he shows them everything and they, they kind of, you know, they're on, a, on good terms. And then Hugh says... A Picard who could advocate for uh, free Borg is a great thing. And Picard kind of like winces. And you get in that moment that Hugh is actually playing politics with Picard. Mm-hmm. He's as much as he's happy to see him. He is also using him to potentially be an advocate for this thing that he's running, yeah. which is f- fucking great. That's like Deep Space Nine shit. I love that. That was great. Um, yeah. And I- then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Narek telling Soji that his real name is Ryan. <laughs> You only tell you know, the one, only tell the ones you love. Uh, what yeah, your dream and it's is. it's just uh, all of this. It's just all of the things that we're talking about is is uh, characters being sacrificed for the sake of plot. So, like, tell me, give me, tell me one thing about Soji's character that does not involve uh, what she does for work or what she looks like. You d- you don't know. Any like you nothing you know nothing about her it's nothing. really kind of surprising yeah it's but for yeah. all the for all the intimate bedside chat that those two have as scenes you don't gain anything you the the problem with not knowing anything about her is not only is it weird to the plot and the viewer it's weird that Narek falls for her because you don't see any reason why this guy yeah. would care about her. So it makes the, it makes the spin at the end where he's crying about having to nuke her with some radiation before she punches through the floor. It makes that all ring hollow. Yep. Plot, plot in the face of, in despite characters. It's all, it's, that's all it is. It's I, just a series of events strung together uh, for the sake of a plotted out note cards. That is for some reason, ignoring any semblance of character unless uh, uh, the best character work has come from the people who have pre-existing relationships yes which is which makes me worried because i I don't know if i'm reading into that you know what i mean yeah and i mean i thinking about what we've said in the past it makes me think that it rafi being someone picard knows would almost be a cheat in this show Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't have to do the work you know, I feel like you could still. I feel like you could write these the, the relationship between these two characters and have it work, but it's all just so plot heavy. Yeah, they don't have any room to do it. I don't know. It's it's yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, did you, I, I, what's funny is that when it, when it is just plot, right? I can find myself getting swept up by the roller coaster of plot, which I think happens in about the last 20, 15 minutes of this episode. Yeah. I, I think that the writing at that point is good and that there's this sense of like forward momentum and tension about them being caught and everything. And it's only on reflection that I was kind of upset that they actually left the cube and things like that. But the the show can't maintain that kind of energy. So when it, when it's lacking that energy, all it has are scenes that are supposed to have that kind of energy that don't because it's people giving each other exposition or information about things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just falls really, really flat. And I agree that the best stuff is the Picard and Hugh stuff because it still feels like it's only just barely scratching the surface of what's going on there. But at the same time, you because you have that pre-existing knowledge about that character, you're allowed to almost put your own headcanon on what's actually going on in the, the cube. And right. even if they're not telling you about it, which is, I suppose, even a little bit better than not knowing anything and just having to go around for the ride. Yeah, and it's really it's really fascinating to me in this show for the amount of exposition that they have in it. They don't for a second tell you who the fuck Hugh is to Picard. Yeah. They don't it doesn't come up at all. Yeah. And it it, it if if you if okay, let's put it this way. <clears throat> if you were me and I hadn't been prompted to watch the episode with Hugh in it, I would have no idea what the relationship between these two is. Right. And I feel like that's important information you have to get across. Yep. Bruce Maddox is a kind of lesser case of that because Maddox's purpose is more um, MacGuffin-y where he's just the scientist who has the answer that you have to go chase. But Hugh, uh, they hug when they see each other. Yeah. Right. Maddox, Maddox has a per, yeah. Maddox has a purpose in this story um, that, Adding adding uh, his pre-existing character in TNG kind of just like adds to that. It's it doesn't supersede it, right? But Hugh, they don't give you anything. There's nothing other other than the fact that oh he's on the cube and yep. he runs the cube, and so when they see each other, oh that's cool. They know each other. I wonder how they know each other. Oh, I guess they. <laughs> They were both Borg at one point, I guess. I don't. They seemed really happy. They must go to the same meetings or something. That's interesting. Like, if you were totally unfamiliar, would you assume that they just knew each other from being assimilated at the same time? Yeah, the summer that they spent in the Borg cube, they were really close. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's no. You know, Hugh's history is that Picard helps him uh, kick the Borg programming. And then apparently, then clearly, he uses that to uh, uh, better himself and help other people. But you wouldn't know that from this show. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, they have they to have be a, fair. I a don't know where you would say it. that. Well, they but. have a line that hints at it, which is when I was on the Enterprise, I learned. It's actually a line I like. When I was on the Enterprise, I learned the importance of getting a new name to start a new identity. Mm. Because he called that's they, when they're talking about why they call them XBs. He says it's important to sort of rename oh, right. yourself or whatever because. Um, of the, you know, just to sort of restart your life uh, as a, as a free person. Yeah. I, it is, it is tough. I mean, I, I come into it with the whole baggage of knowing who Hugh is. So you kind of like, just kind of pass that off and things like that. But I think, I don't know. I, I see a lot of split opinions about this one and I thought it was generally 
kind of down the middle in terms of the mm. episodes that we've seen. I thought that the plot, I, I was glad that they finally combined the plots as one thing. Yeah. I was, I'm glad that it's kind of moved into another phase, but at the same time, the more episodes that go by and the less information you get about what's actually going on is remarkably frustrating. Um, yeah. Like at this point in the story with four episodes left and your team, uh, Picard has the girl. Your team is split up. There's some people left behind. I feel like there should be a better sense of what's going on. And yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that's probably, I would hope, what the next episode is going to get into. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm surprised how deep into this we are when they haven't really told you what the plot is. Well, the, the problem with the setup of the next one leading into this is that Picard can't learn the information. Right? right, like the other right. characters might learn the information, but Picard would have no way of figuring it out unless they get some kind of message to him. But that seems unlikely, or that seems against the point of him running away to that planet would be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. 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 I oh, the the thing that I think you mentioned in the last episode that reading the Chabon interview or the Chabon uh, Instagram story kind of made me think about people. Um. You know, it, it's kind of like fan questions that he's answering. He's not answering mm. sort of hard-hitting uh, critical questions or anything like that. But people are asking, you know, backstory of like, why, what was Seven up to this in the past 15 years or something? Like, they, they want to know the um, nuts and bolts about like what's going on outside of the script, sort of. And he's he's more than happy to answer that. And it made me just really think about... What you were saying in the previous episode is the writer's room just too involved in the details where once they've hashed all this stuff out, they kind of have that problem where if you ever know something and you have to explain something that you know very well to someone who doesn't know anything about it, you take for granted what they know about it. So you you don't explain adequately to that person because you kind of assume that they know everything in the first place. Yeah. That seems to be the case here where... People are asking, like, I can't remember specifics, but they're just asking about, like, what the Borg are doing or something, and Chabon has an answer for it, but none of that is in the episode itself. Right. It's just outside of it, and it's super frustrating, and I don't understand what having that grasp of a universe does for your story. It feels irrelevant to me, unless you're building a literary book empire off of it, and mm-hmm. you want to sort of, like, farm out that information. It's just... It just it strikes me as focusing on the wrong bits of information to get your story across, and it's surprising because they're all decent. Everyone except for Kurtzman is kind of, is a good writer on that writing team, and I don't really understand it. Yeah, it just it does feel like that they they got overexcited with the uh, the world building, and they forgot to. <laughs> They forgot to show anybody else the blueprints. One, one of it was just to fill you. Okay. I, I remember now the a question brought up. Is Starfleet's reaction to the synth thing part and parcel of the end of the Dominion War? And Chabon said, absolutely. We we couldn't fit that into the scripts, but that absolutely is the case of what's going on. I think it's vital that you include that in what's going mm. on. I think that that only adds to understanding why Starfleet is the way that they are at this point in the series. And I don't think it's that hard to fit a line or something, or just in the Admiral conversation with Picard where she says sheer fucking hubris, delete the line sheer fucking hubris and have her explain the Dominion outcome or something. I I just, it's just strange. It feels like it's the wrong things. Or like simple questions that feel like that they would help round things out a lot, such as, does Starfleet know about the relic? Yeah, yeah. 
I, we didn't know until they dropped it in conversation last last episode, and Picard was like, "Oh yeah, that thing." Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's out there. That's happening. And then they call up Starfleet, and they're like, "Oh, you're going there, huh? Yeah, you probably shouldn't go there." <laughs> you know, but you know, <clears throat> but it's 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 kind of like a central point. It's a Borg cube run by Romulans hold up in what used to be the neutral zone. That's like that's like three across on the bingo card of Star Trek bad guys. Yeah, right. You know, like you should. <laughs> and there's an evil admiral involved. It's like it's a total bingo for Star Trek bad guys. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a good and point. We, and we don't know how any of this stuff is like what the setting for this stuff is. And it's you know, I uh, I think it's one of those things where if 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 you sat down with Chabon or one of the other writers and they explained it to you where you could ask questions as it was happening, you would probably come away, go and go, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's, they are, they are, um, oddly trying to keep it sparse, but they're keeping it so sparse that they are for their neglecting to put information in that would be vital to the storytelling and they're neglecting to give the characters characters <laughs> so it's like they stripped everything down to just the the plot mechanics yeah and so it feels it it rings very very hollow to me and you know i i i know some people um think that we're too nitpicky on the show but i'm if i take a step back you know i guess caring about characters is a nitpick at this point mm-hmm. um this is not the kind, I, this is not the kind of show that has characters in it. Apparently not. And I just look at the plot. I think this stuff still these problems still remain where the plot there's so much going on and they're giving you so little information, but they're not the information they're giving you isn't the right information to right. keep it humming along at a way where you are engaged and also um intrigued by what the answers are going to be, you know? Yeah, it's it's the common criticism like, I, I think that the most obvious examples of this are Raffi and Narek, right? Those those are the two yeah. characters I feel need to exist beyond just kind of a trope in order for them to work. Like, I'm fi- Rios is kind of like take it or leave it. Like, he has his little gimmick, but he's not really a vital character to the show. Like, I was, I was watching it actually thinking, like, why do they even need Rios in this? Like, he, he doesn't yeah. even really act like a captain. He just kind of sits in the chair and lets everyone else do all the stuff for I- him. I was kind of hoping, and I know they couldn't do this because of the way that they introduced him, but part of me was hoping that when uh, Gerardi went over to make out with him and she was like, I've never slept with a captain before, he was going to be like, I have really bad news, and then just like glitch out because he's not actually there. He also is a, is a hologram. <laughs> I liked her... Um... He's like he's like, we shouldn't do this. And she's like, it'll take, uh, it'll take the, the pain off my mind for a couple hours. I was like, wow. Rios, you better, you better, you yeah, better. I know. I, I thought that too. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> sitting high bar there, lady. So just just a, a smash cut to a Chiron that says two minutes later, and he's like, "You're just so pretty." He's like, "You're just." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, is a lot of big talk for him. I the the back to the Narek and the Raffi thing. It's just I, I think that the this show like our. Our criteria for grading these, right, is kind of like I view the episodes 
as a TV show and not Star Trek, really. Like the, mm. the, the gimmick of this podcast or the point of the podcast is that we're kind of what, what we watch is Star Trek related. So there's like a through line of all that stuff. And we've, mm-hmm. we've become familiar with the tropes and the tricks of Star Trek and everything like that. So we can kind of compare inter, we can compare different episodes of Star Trek to each other and all that stuff. But at the same time, I think our analysis of this would be exactly the same if you stripped out the Star Trek brand. Right. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's the same problem. Like, there's nothing specifically Star Trek that I feel that I'm trying to criticize here. I think that the problems are all much more fundamental than that, and it's a it's this shift into this new kind of plot telling that they're doing. And I'd almost be more forgiving of. I was thinking about it. I'd almost be more forgiving of the pacing and plotting if they just gave you information more frequently. You know, yeah. like I'd be like, oh, well, we learned that one thing at the end of this episode or we learned that about what's going on or it's like what an interesting hint about what's going on with the Borg. But instead, it's it's very empty and it's very surface level and you don't really get either into the mystery or into the bigger themes about what's going on. And it's just it's kind of right down the middle. It skirts by all those flags that it's supposed to go around. Yeah. And they did that thing that that I hate that they've done in the past previous episodes where they they at least i think this is another one of those where they drop in another mysterious thing just in like a quick line of dialogue like the last episode it was uh the conclave of eight whatever the fuck that is (laughs) and it's like okay uh, another thing uh in this one what's uh the sister the romulan sister whose name i don't know rizzo rizzo Mm -hmm. yeah rizzo and ryan um (laughs) She she uh, she mentions that they something about the the now we now we know where the home world is, the androids yeah the the android home world. Androids have a home world. Well, that's what they're trying to figure out from her. They're trying to figure out where the rest of the androids are that Maddox built. Okay, all right, maybe that's not what I'm talking about then. But it just they they, they drop they dropped it in there so casually that I was like I I don't know if this is a plot point that we've been given before. That this is following up, and I don't know. I just I don't pay attention to the show. I mean, the Rizzo, Rizzo and Narek almost have exactly the same conversation they've had for seven episodes running at this point. Yes, <laughs> yes. He does. He does do something that I think they should have brought in earlier, which is his little toy Romulan box puzzle. The Romulan Rubik's Cube? Romulan Rubik's Cube. I, I feel that would have been something to have him play with earlier or something, or show sure. his, his like dedication to puzzles or something a little bit earlier. It was just strange. We don't have to talk about it. I just thought it was kind of an odd thing. Um, yeah, I thought their relationship was weird in this episode, where it's another another scene where she's like, this is taking too long. Your methods are sloppy, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, she's like, oh, nice job. <laughs> Good job. I can't brother. believe the son of a bitch did it. Strokes him sexually. Um, we've talked. We've. I feel like this episode, much like the uh, series of Picard, we're kind of repeating. We are repeating our criticisms at this point, right? Like, yeah, I know it's tough because they keep doing the same stuff. It is. It is tough, and they keep doing the same stuff. So let's let's try to wrap this up with like five minutes of um this episode specifically. Uh, you said the Hugh and the Picard uh, was your favorite scene out of the whole thing. Yeah, I thought that stuff was great. Um. I, I will say, as far as repeating goes, the good stuff is consistently good. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the the Hugh stuff is good. The stuff they're doing with the Borg is really good. Um, I think Allison Pill is still great as Girati. Um Looks nice. 
Picard Picard seems to be getting like one scene per episode where you go, that's that's Picard. That's him. Yeah. It 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 always feels a little bit like a cheat, I think, where they Yeah. See, I I mean, and, and I would agree with you. Like the the good stuff does stay good, and I think it's mostly just the, if anything, it might just be the the concept or the idea that's really making me think that it's good. Like the Borg stuff mm. seems like there's going to be something there, although we're getting further towards the end, and I am I'm starting to become extremely concerned that the Borg are not going to reactivate for some I reason. Oh, I was thinking that too. As soon as Picard left, I was like, "Wait, are they never going to do the green badge thing?" Right, and 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 I, as when we recorded that first episode where they had the badges, it seemed so obvious. But now, in hindsight, I'm like, Discovery would introduce something like that badge and never do anything with it. Like I could yeah. see that happening. Um, but anyway, I'll be I'll be very upset if that doesn't happen because I think that would be a cool moment. Yeah, how did you how did you feel about when they're running off the ship and that one guy goes, "Locutus." Look- <laughs> That was pretty good. <laughs> it was him 20 bucks or something like that. Uh, I had some point that was going to go off of that. The The good stuff is good. Uh, I can't really remember at this point. I, I had something to do with the... Oh, Picard. But to, I guess we can just wrap it up with... I think fundamentally a big problem is that Picard seems like a... Avatar or something for Picard. And so Picard the show? No, Picard is, the character in this in this show is an avatar for Picard the show. He seems like he is a mannequin that is supposed to represent oh, okay, what Picard sure. is, you know. Yeah. And he doesn't feel like he is a living, breathing character in this series in any way other than. He's going to run into other people, and he is going to espouse Picard-like views to them. Yeah. And I I think that's really the issue there, outside of anything else about him not seeming that way. It just, it just feels like he is inserted as a masthead into the show, and weak shit is kind of spinning around him, but he never really interacts yeah. with it in any kind of effective way. Yeah, it feels to me, it's like... I think that stuff would be less obvious and less troubling if the other stuff around him was great. Right. You know, like it's it, it's kind of like when they cast um a big star in a secondary role for a movie like like Superman, like 1978 Superman. The the top two billed people in Superman are Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman. Right. They are not in the movie for that long. But they are that but they're they're use they're using those guys to kind of be like, come on and check this world out. Check out this guy. This guy playing Superman's great. You know what you know what I mean? Where it's like if Picard was there as sort of like the shepherd of this new stuff that he, had, he new adds, stuff gravitas. All, adds gravitas. Adds yeah. gravitas to it, yeah. yeah. And if and if the new stuff was all great, that would be I don't think we would be talking about it. I just think that it's the stuff that he's shepherding in is just not not doing, not hitting the the beats that it should be hitting. Um, yeah, yeah. Plot or character wise. Let's wrap it up there. We'll take a break. I, do, I did want to say one thing. Sure, before go, we go. Um When you were saying, if this wasn't, uh, if this wasn't a Star Trek show, we would have the same issues with it. That is true. However, I almost think it would be a better show, and I don't mean that because I, you know, I, I I'm not trying to be dismissive of the brand or anything. 
But I just mean from like a, a storytelling point of view, I think it might be a better show because they would realize that they have to do more work. Yes. Because there's so much shorthand involved with this franchise and these characters that if you take that away and you told the exact same story, you you got you to gotta tell me about this character who's going back into space and why this thing that he's going towards is, is weighing on him so heavily. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have, yeah. To, you have to do that work. You have to explain who these character relationships are more because it's not just, you know, a cheap pop character from 15 years ago. Yeah. 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 I'd... I kind of almost wish they had done that. Where if, like, they conceptualized the show and they were like, okay, let's write this show as though it is not Picard and it's complete something completely different and then we'll just... You know, but have that in the back of our heads. Do the work as though this was not a Star Trek show, and then imprint that stuff on later. So you have the core, the base, the structure is sound, and yeah. not relying on the the franchise. No, I I think that's if I was running this writers' room, I think that would be my number one rule on the whiteboard. I'd be like, if you if I can't if I couldn't blank out or change the names of the characters in your script and still have it make sense to me. It's not a good script, I think. And I, I think that the being so enamored and sort of uh, much like promises are a prison, I think canon is a prison in some ways mm-hmm. to the, the writers here. And it is sort of you having to do things like just kind of accept that this is what Picard would do. This is the, what the Picard I know would do. But the character himself is not portraying that kind of an aspect to it. And I think that the the writing there misses a beat for whatever reason. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of strange. It's just, there's just so much going on with it. And they, uh, they have a hard time getting to the core of what would actually be interesting about it. Yeah. If they don't do that green badge thing, I'm done with this show. I know that that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's potentially really bad if that happens. We'll, we'll try to do. Let's try to do a thought exercise after the break, and uh, we'll play a clip. Sure. We'll come back, and then we'll try to to crunch out what we think the series of Picard could be. It's me. It's me, but I'm in pieces. I'm I'm a doll. Look up through the skylight now. What do you see? I see two red moons, dark as blood, and, and lightning. So much lightning. <laughs> Well done, little brother. All right, everybody. So if you enjoyed the content today, thank you very much for listening. And the best way to support the show is to go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like podcasts. We just talked about Source Code, the 2011 Jake Gyllenhaal movie where he goes back in time a la Groundhog Day. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff you can check out at patreon.com slash the Penske file. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a shout out. Special thanks go to Andrew Cholog, Ben Douglas, Captain Court, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beermore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Jacob123, Jeffrey Koch, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Mad Courier, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Oates, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean, Stephen Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Howells, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. All right, Clay. So um, I don't know how effective this will be, and maybe some people hate it, but I, th- I think the let's re assume Tasha was in the show. <laughs> let's assume that Denise Crosby was head writer and director of this series. Um, let's recalibrate what this series is trying to be. I suppose, right? So I'm just thinking about like how do you how do you simplify this story to get to where they are at this point, right? I think yeah. that 
the first, if you need three episodes in the start, I think that you have to spend that entire, those three episodes setting up Picard, the Federation, and this Borg cube, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the three things. What I, what I think that they didn't do effectively was that they didn't focus on showing you what Picard's mentality is at this point. They don't really do an effective job of showing how the Federation has changed at this point. And they don't highlight the fact of, I, I think you need to know early on what the Borg cube is all about. Like yes. logistically what is going on there, because I still don't even have a full strong grasp on like who's running it and who allows who to go on there and who actually owns the damn thing. I, I, I think that, Getting all of that out of the way could happen in the first three episodes. And I think that you do that by drastically cutting down the number of characters that are in this show, I think, is yeah. is vital to getting that accomplished. And maybe you see more TNG characters early on in the first three episodes or something like that. After that, what do you think is the – what is Picard's quest here about? Why is Picard going after Soji? Um. Well – up to this point, it's been explicitly because she's Data's daughter and someone is out to get her. Yes. That's it. Like, there's not really more to it than that. How, how would you amplify his quest? I think, that, I think that the reason Picard has to go out is if you are going to have this hostile relationship he has with the crew, Picard has to kind of go out as an overeager adventure to get back the life that he's missing at that point, Right. Mm-hmm. He sees Soji as he sees Soji as a way to break out of the doldrums of living in the vineyard, basically. Yeah, and he kind of leaps into it. Yeah, I still think I, I I think maybe that should be the 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 catalyst. But again, I think Picard should know almost immediately after making that decision that what that involves is him going to a Borg cube. Sure. So he can he can take knowledge of the Borg cube and sort of use that as a premature get me out of here type of move where he he he's the only one who knows how bad the Borg can be and stuff like that. And he uses it as a means to, much like he does in First Contact, he kind of like overreacts to the Borg in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that can drive him and it can cause all of these problems where people like Rafi, who are trying to tell him to calm down and slow down and things like that, he casts them aside because he knows better. Right. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as far as, as, as why he's going, I think I think Soji, uh, I think on top of all that stuff, I think Soji has to have a clearer... Um, purpose behind uh what she means to the status quo Mm -hmm. so whether or not um you know raffi's involvement uh she and her conspiracy whatever brings to the table this possibility that this character might have the secret for turning around relations and views on the sense, you know, something like that, something that's going to shift the status quo. Um, that would, that would be something that Picard has to go and get. Do, do you, do you think that this series, 
I can't see any way that the series, as it's written, wouldn't benefit from us knowing why Soji is where she is and oh, what, 100%. What, what Maddox's plan was. Even if Maddox yeah. can't explain what the plan is, to have scenes where those characters kind of not lay out, but you see flashbacks or something, or you see scenes with Maddox as to why this is the case that's going on and our characters don't know it, but we know why Soji exists in the first place. Yes, 100%. Yes. Because what we're going to get now is somewhere along the next four episodes, someone is going to take five minutes to explain that. Yeah. And that's not, like, I'm not going to, once they explain that, I'm not going to go, oh, yeah, awesome. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, like, that's not how that stuff works. You know, it's a a character like that, the the purpose needs to be more clear. Uh, There can be mystery surrounding her, sure. But there has to be, like, a clear element as to what her purpose is and why it is important and or that they that this person gets found or at least someone has to know that right because yeah, even if you're just going on the stuff that they give us sure the romulan the tal shiar are trying to get her to find the synthetic home planet or whatever the romulans find- seem to know what she is the, the romulans seem to know why she's important you know but they're they're keeping it a secret from the audience which i think is frustrating yeah they're keeping it a secret from the audience which and and also Picard doesn't know either, so he doesn't even know what he's getting into, right? And I think which I think fits with the overeager nature that that ties into that. Like I I just think that the way they presented Picard as kind of like just kind of gung ho and ready to go into this charge into battle kind of thing, it just strikes me as he needs the the scripts need to recognize that he's a little bit naive about this like that that things are not lining up for him and he does not have perfect information and is making perfect choices yeah 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 i could see that yeah there just has to be more information that at the very least we know about soji that can give us a flag and flag in the sand as to what everybody's driving towards yeah um like even even on the reclamation ship we don't even know what the hell she does there do we not really she, she heart, talks heart, to people yeah she's, she's like a therapist i think yeah, yeah, some, yeah. like I, I i i feel like you could give her a job there that given what we know about her her being a synthetic or whatever and given her job on the board ship or something we could put the pieces together to realize oh shit this is a big deal right you know, something something like that there's 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 ways you can there's ways you can um manipulate that stuff where she becomes more of a uh, uh, consequential figure as opposed to the way she is now, which is just she's important because everybody says she's important. She's very similar to Picard in that they're both very important characters who are being dragged around by other characters. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. And it's it's unsatisfying when they combine with each other because neither of them has a point of view about the combining forces at that point. Um, so we'll we'll see how they reconcile it in the next episode. But that that our, our takes there would just bring us to this point uh, where Picard has to escape from the cube, and you can separate people, and I don't really have a problem with that. But I I do hope they go back to the cube uh, in the future at some point, and we do have the Borg breakdown, and something comes of that. But my theory. If they don't go back to the cube, no, maybe that wouldn't really work. I, I was going to say, my theory is that Hugh activates the green badges thing as in order to uh, for him and uh, Elnor to escape. I was thinking, um, which would kind of be a waste. I think you know but, what the you know what the most 
tragic outcome I was thinking could be a possibility. In order to save everyone, Hugh has to become reassimilated. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would suck. I mean, they just killed Ichiban last episode. Just give <laughs> give somebody a win. Get, you know what? Honestly, if it came down to it, I would say have Seven do that. Have seven, get, let Seven be reassimilated. If you're you, you, have like, you just prefer you, you like Hugh too much. Well, no, I just I feel like Hugh is such like a... I mean, maybe it's because I don't know Seven very well, mm-hmm. but Hugh seems to be... I don't know. Seven's not really doing anything for me. And Hugh seems to be like a just more of a uh a success story. It is. That that's that's where I think the tragedy comes out of it. Um Yeah, that's that's almost too much though. It is. It it, it would come down At to least, lines oh, of You know what? You know why I don't like it? Because Hugh is a success story who we haven't seen doing like having to like blur the line in order to get results. Right. Whereas seven he just works clearly, hard at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it has to be a morality thing, but seven has clearly done some shit. Right. And so I could see her using that as an opportunity to kind of like uh, redeem herself for the stuff that she's done that she isn't proud of or something. I don't know. There, I mean, but, there is a little bit of symbolism of Hugh obtains his individuality and freedom Right, he gets his agency back, and yeah. one of the things about being an active agent and having your own agency is that you get to make the decisions for other people, like for yourself and others. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. his sacrifice is actually as tragic as it is that he would turn back into an assimilated Borg. It is his free choice that he's only able to make as a free ex Borg person. Sure, I I, I, yeah. I would buy it. I would buy it if his reassimilation causes. The breakdown, pe- yeah, causes some breakdown that yeah. frees some of the Borg, uh, like a good portion of the Borg or something like that. I honestly, I don't know if they're going to get into that stuff. No, I, because I, 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 <laughs> I, the thing that's the thing that's killing me about the Borg cube is uh, it's like the definition of the fireworks factory, where you're like you're in the fireworks factory, but nobody brought a match with them, right? And uh, yeah. and it's it's kind of like the Frankenstein monster, the way they used to use the Frankenstein monster in the old movies after the first couple where he became a backdrop. And he was like, he was essentially the ticking clock where it would be, I'm going to try and revive the Frankenstein monster. And then it was a, a, the story was about stopping that from happening. And then in the last like 10 minutes, he always comes back to life for five seconds and then they drop a castle on him. Yes. So it's, but it's always like you're waiting. It would be so, you can't just revive the Frankenstein monster and then dump him off a cliff. You know, right. he has to reviving the Borg, bringing the Borg back needs to have some sort of consequence to it where you've just completely royally fucked everybody. Yeah, no, I'd agree. All right, let's wrap it up there. It's been over an hour. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. You can check out all the social media links down below. You can check out all the other Star Trek podcasts at the Penske When's podcast. Discovery come back? Uh, I don't think they have a date yet. Yeah, production just wrapped, no. though, so it'll be this year. Okay. Um, I never thought I'd be looking forward to that. <laughs> and then there's all the other shows, Rotten Horror Picture Show, Real Ripe and Real Rotten, all that stuff. You can check that out at thepenskefile.com or on the YouTube channel. Just click around and you can go to the channel, find all the videos, all the playlists, all that stuff. Patreon.com slash thepenskefile if you want to support us there. Thank you very much. Clay, we'll be back next episode with the Nepenthe is the name of the episode. It's the title of the planet that they're heading to and it's the name of the episode. And we get to see Riker I- and Troy. Are We're you not on Beta that, Z or Earth. I was going to say, are you bummed that they're on some random 
weird planet. I, I'm bummed, but it totally makes sense that they're on some yeah. random planet that has no connection to either of them, really. I don't know. We'll see. But although, yeah. when he when Picard says, take us to Nepenthe, Rios is like, oh. He, he acts as if that planet means something, so we'll, we'll have to see what that means. Yeah. Sure. There's a lot of planets in this world, but it'll be good Another- to see Riker and Troy. Another secret we don't know and that we're supposed to care about. That's right. There's a mine in the center of the planet. They threw it down a well. All right, guys. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time.